0: This is Camp Hacker. Come find our show notes and our blog for camp directors and leaders at camphacker.tv.
1: Good day, and welcome to our podcast. This is Camp Hacker, episode 57, recorded on the 23rd of October, 2013. Today's topic, tiered pricing for summer camps. If you would like easy, automatic, free updates of our podcast, you can subscribe on iTunes, the BlackBerry Podcast Directory, or the Stitcher app. Search for Camp Hacker. This week's Camp Hacker podcast is sponsored in part by the Camp Owners and Directors Association. You provide quality camp experiences for children, helping them grow and gain independence. We help you achieve your vision. Check us out at CampOwnersAndDirectors.com. And by the craze conference, join keynote speakers, Adam Braun, CEO of pencils of promise and Porter Gale, former VP of marketing at Virgin America, along with executives from Twitter, Zappos, Disney, splash, do Mashable summer 365 and more register today by logging into craze We hope you enjoy the camp Hacker show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Camp Acker Podcast. My name is Travis Allison. I blog about running a great summer camp at campacker.tv.
2: Hi, my name is Dan Weir. I'm the Director of Camping Services at Frost Valley YMCA. Frost Valley is a year-round camp conference education facility up in the Catskill Mountains of New York.
0: And my name is Gabrielle Rail, and I'm one of the directors at Camp Waro. Uh, Camp Waro is an all-girls camp in the Laurentians of Quebec, and I'm chatting with you guys from Montreal.
3: And my name is Joe Richards. I'm the executive director of Pierce Williams Christian Centre, which is a summer camp and retreat facility, part of the United Church of Canada's camping system. Um, And we are located in Fingal, Ontario, about halfway between Detroit and Toronto. Fantastic.
1: Welcome back, everybody. It's good to have the whole gang. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about, um, about a pricing structure that some camps have made work really well for them. Uh, And it comes out of the Y system, and um, both Dan and Joe have implemented it in their camps. And so I have some questions to ask them about that, and wanted to make sure that the gap was on here because I wanted to see if there's a way that this sort of pricing structure might work in a private setting as well. So, um, Dan, I'm gonna start with you. Were you around for when the tiered pricing was implemented at Frost Valley? I was,
2: yeah, it was implemented in 2008. And so uh, when the concept was first pitched to me, I had no idea what they were talking about. And I was like, you want to charge people more? I'm so confused. And um, uh, the way it was explained to me is that it started out at the YMCA of San Diego. And uh, they noticed that um, some kids that were coming to camp um, couldn't afford camp, and they were receiving financial assistance. And that some kids that were coming to the camp were pulling up in BMWs and Lexuses and Infinities and and could clearly afford much more than they were giving. Um, so they were trying to figure out a way um, to provide a camp program that would serve all and would still speak to people um, as in wanting to appreciate the camp. Because uh, the board itself uh, for the San Diego Y, from what I understand, was made up of people that could afford more and were saying you should raise your prices. You should raise your prices." Uh, But the camp director and and, um, the exec knew that uh, they would be serving less children in the the long run. Uh, So they they started out with, um, from what I understand, a $200 uh, price difference and starting with three tiers. So um, you have uh, your lowest tier, um, which uh, for arbitrary numbers, let's just say it's $400. Um, So that is a subsidized rate uh, for your camp. Um, and it's not the the average rate you would charge people um, tier b would be um would be six hundred dollars and that would be what you would probably charge that summer um, and uh, that would be so you were serving the kids that can't afford camp and then um, tier a would be um, eight hundred dollars so the people that could afford more would be paying you more um, and it's just again, furthering your, your mission of serving more kids. Uh, I think for, for me, there's always um, – I'm talking to people about financial aid, I'm always encouraging families to fill out the application. And then there's this hesita- hesitation from some people that really are in need to, to ask for more money. Um, and I, I – constantly reassure people that our mission is to serve as many children as possible and uh, that we really want your child to have a camp experience. So when we, we took on tiered pricing in, in 2008 um, our audience definitely uh, it was a learning curve um, but there was never a negative reaction to it. It was more like well, what is this? You, the registration form had one price on it last year and now it has three. Um, what we decided to go with um, was that um, our tier C was actually the, the bare cost um, to run the camp. And that tier uh, B and A actually just goes back to fund the operation. So we're able to keep our costs overall lower because fifty percent of our, our children um, that come to Frost Valley actually pay um, a higher tier, um, and so uh, it's been a great success. Um, you know, for us, it's it's been allowing us for not to increase our prices dramatically. Like for instance, we only increased thirty dollars um, from last season to this season, and uh, I know that's something that I've talked with Joe about a number of times. That uh, it it allows for you to have that fluctuation with your pricing of still providing camp for everybody and uh, especially in the US with the economy and what, what it is uh, we're finding more and more people are choosing to go to one camp session instead of two um, that tiered pricing allows for people to to do it so we yeah we've had it since 2008 it's been a great success um, parents really look forward to it um, one of the modifications we've made recently is um, we used to do um, early registration um, where we would just release um, we basically just encourage people to pay in full by December 31st and just release last summer's price. Um, we actually have been now deciding our prices in May for the next year, and um, we've been having even more people pay tiered pricing. So people want to take advantage of this. People are there is a, a good amount of people that appreciate what our camp does and are not necessarily looking for the the price break, but they're looking to give back to the camp community, <laughs> um, which we find fantastic. Uh, and um, yeah, and I've heard the other piece of feedback I've heard. Is that uh, parents really like it um, in the sense that when they're recommending the camp to another friend, they don't feel this pressure to all of a sudden say you have to pay this price. Mm-hmm. Now they know they can kind of choose their price, and um, you know, for us, we we charge sixteen thirty for two weeks of camp um, for our bottom level tier um, for twenty fourteen, and that's a mortgage payment. That's a, that's a lot of money for people to really invest in something, and uh, especially. Uh, especially, you know, something that might be new to the family or some of the family's never gone to camp um, and, and not have that same level of appreciation. We all do. So, uh, yeah, we've had great success with your pricing. And, um, yeah, that's that's our story and kind of the origin
1: of it, of what I know. But Cool. That's great. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> do you, well, I'll come back to that. Let me ask less Joe how yeah. it went implementing it there. And then I have some other follow-up questions as well. How'd it go for you, Joe?
3: Uh, it went good. I think we implemented the same year, 2008. Um, I re- recall that my office manager was sort of freaked out by the whole idea of tier-based pricing. It took my board of directors a, a few years to to wrestle with the idea of what tier-based pricing was and how it would work. Um, and it was a lot of conversations about, um, you know, is it fair? And I was like, well, it's not not fair. It's it's fair. She goes, well, this is a difficult decision. And I said, not not for us, she goes, no, but for the family, it forces them to choose. And I was like, well, yeah, but that's their decision. That has nothing to do with us, right? Like when, when it comes back to us, we just input it into the computer. The, the, our program doesn't change, nothing changes. It's it's, it's, um, it's a way to let them know how much camp actually costs. Now, we're at a much different price point than let's say Frost Valley, right? So um, for, t- <laughs> for a week of camp, our tier one pricing.
1: So we go. T- Uh-oh. <laughs> Joe, we can hear you talking emphatically. We can see you talking emphatically, but we can't hear you. At all? Like, did it now we out? can. I tell
3: you.
1: So you're saying tier one pricing okay. is. So
3: 250 15-
1: Tier one pricing
3: is two hundred and fifty dollars a person, um, and then tier two pricing is eighty dollars more than that at three thirty a person, and then tier three is eighty dollars more than that at four ten a person. We've done the math, and it's somewhere between four and four hundred and thirty dollars to run summer camp um, if we were to, uh, to, to to account for all of the the things in our budget that are summer camp and you know half my salary. and And, and I've done all the math because it's when we were applying to become a United. United Way organization, um, <clears throat> it was a clear budget that we could work through and, and see exactly what those costs are. Right. Right. Um, it, so
1: I've talked to, to some camps um, about now this. Now when
3: we implemented it, it went the first year was by far the roughest.
1: Yes. How come?
3: Well the, in the first year of implementing it Travis we had um a lot of confusion and I think that it was people we had we had said what the program was and how it would be implemented um but people w- were thinking that we were raising the price and I said well no then choose to choose to pay t- or one like you you have that choice but But then I feel guilty paying tier one. And I said, well, I can't help you with that, but that's your choice. And so there were, there were people that first year, apparently we lost, um, we lost a few campers from it. And it was weird. 2008 was a weird year. The, the financial crisis had, was existing before that in our area. And so we actually lost a hundred campers that year. Um, and so the question was, was it because of tier based pricing or was it because of the financial issues that were going on and whatnot? And, um, and the board convened, like, emergency meetings, and, and I was like, I told you numbers would be down months ago with or without tier-based pricing based on, on camper numbers. The 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 local Children's Aid Society, half their number, so instead of sending us 66, they only sent us 33, which takes care of, like, one-third of our missing campers. Like, I know where they are. They're just not here. Um, <laughs> so that confusion sort of abated. That line and, never goes and we've, well, never, just- we've never... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know where they are. They're at home or they're going <laughs> on vacation or they're, they're, choosing to, they're choosing to spend their money somewhere else. And, and we actually did a series of phone calls out to parents um, to ask, you know, hey, why didn't you come back to camp this year? And very few out of like two or three hundred phone calls um, to parents um, from that year and previous years, it was never you suck. Right that was never the 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 response the response was we've we're just choosing to do this this year or our kids are playing sports this year or our kids are doing this, and so um what really helps a board that line Dan, might not help a board, but uh what does help a board is when you since two thousand and eight we've ne- seen nothing but numbers go up um and and that has been a really a really solid point in the tier based pricing model um is that it is. It's a model that that people, new people, parents who are new to us, appreciate it more than parents who are old to us, right? Because they look at it as, you're letting me choose what to pay to come to camp. That's amazing. And I'm like, oh, yeah, great. We're amazing. That's perfect. So um, it's very helpful for them to um, for them to see. And, and we've had parents move within our tiers as well. So sometimes if a parent can afford tier three, but the next year they can't, you know, I don't ask questions. I don't, I don't actually pay attention to what parents pay because that's not the reason the program exists.
2: Exactly. Yeah, it, um, I always tell families that the only people that really know are the registrars in the office, and they never, to be honest with you, they never interact with the kids. They're always in the office, um, you know, interacting with you. So um, the there really isn't anybody figuring out who earns what tiers and, and that sort of thing. Because I have had returning families say, "Oh, we can't give as much this year," and I'm like, "It's okay. It's 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 all right with us. You know, we're not going to treat your child any differently."
1: And I think Dan, I mean Joe and I've had that discussion before, but I think that that's important that I think that 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 question may come up for families. Does my child get a different experience because of where they've where they have chosen to pay or where we've had to choose to pay this yeah. year
2: it it totally it's it's definitely a factor i you know I think about it um in the sense that they're sending their child away. And they, when the child's there, there's nothing they can do to control their child's camp experience. So the best they could do is micromanage every part of it beforehand and and, and worry about it. And like, you know, I I say that lovingly. I'm not saying that, you know, in a bad way, but I mean, it goes from everything from, you know, making sure they have money in the camp store to uh, making sure that the the nurses know who they are, you know, that all those, all those little details and and making sure that the camp directors are offended that they chose a different price, you know, Um, I think, I think plays into their mind. So.
1: Right. Um, so, Dan, what was? Actually, let me let me just say one thing first. Actually, I have a question for Gab, and then I'm gonna come back to you, Dan. I promise. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> uh, when I've talked to clients, when I've talked to our old camp about this about this structure, and they're trying to having a hard time getting their head around what this does, or or how they set it up. I have I've said to them a lot like what it sounds like um, you both did uh, is the the lowest tier um, you're calling it tier C. Dan Joe's calling it something else um, for that lowest tier. Um, you basically set that price based on um, based on this year's prices. So you're looking at next year's, set that at this year's prices. And then um, coming out of the nonprofit world, I sort of know what this is like. And in our camp, in particular, is subsidized by a grant from the church every year. And um, that, where I would encourage them to pick tier two, tier two would be take that that grant out of the income and then. M- you know, figure out what the price per camper would be, and then make that tier two. And then tier three, um, the top tier, is think about sustainability. Think about um, finding a price where you are running your camp, um, and in Gab's family's case, they're running their camp as, as a business, but not just a, um, a. and I, th- I know this is not the case in, in, at Waro, I know camp is was one of the camps i respect for how well they run it but some camps who run it as a family just sort of run it like i don't know a little mom and pop place um and you need to think about it as a business where you want the business to be there in 20 years and you want the buildings to be renewed and um you have to think about that so when you account for all of that spending that's where you set your top tier um so sometimes your your one in the middle is the one that you sort of fudge a little bit. But if you think about um, people recommend that you should be spending 8% of your um, income on marketing. So you add that into the budget. And people say that you should spend the total value of your property, um, including replacement of all the buildings and buying that same piece of property again today, um, you should be spending 1% of that value every year on maintenance and capital projects in order to keep the value the same. So you figure that in, and that's how you get to the top tier. So if the difference being, so I guess today's pricing and top tier being the best possible planner, um, counting in for everything you can, or these two prices are pretty easy to set, and then I think really the one in the middle, you just divide this difference by two, and that's where you post pin that number to. Yeah. So that's how I've, I've encouraged camps who've talked to me about it to think about it. Gab, I wonder if in a private camp situation, um, the message or I- instituting something like this is a little different. There's no doubt. Um, yeah. Do you think it's possible to have that um, set up in a private situation?
0: I think I, for me, it's a it's a very attractive. Um, it's it's a very attractive registration uh, registration option for for clients and I this is something especially since I think we spoke about this um, a couple of years ago and it's something that just just kept my my wheels going and I I think that private camps just like Y camps or religiously affiliated camps they're all in a different spectrum um, within within their um, within those organizations and in private camps you have private camps that have a large profit margin, a very large profit margin, um, all the way to, to private camps that have a very slender profit margin. And, and, and I think that's the same with Y camps and so on and so forth. And I think it's really looking at your profit margin and, and, and what your clients are paying and, and can they afford the three tier system? And for us, that's something that we've really looked at, um, but we're squeezed a little bit with uh, where we are in Quebec. The 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 financial uh, fees that a typical uh, Quebecer pays is a lot lower than what we can afford uh, for the service that we want to offer. And um, when we compare our prices to Ontario, we're middle middle range. So um, so, and that's just that's just where we where we are. So that's something we would love to do, but at the moment it's just not feasible because our profit margin is so slender. And we really have a slender profit margin. And the reason why that is, is that we can't grow any further as an organization. Um, basically, camps need um, bodies to put in beds basically to make to make a profit and physically, we can't grow any further than we can so but since we've since we've had those conversations, um we've done little things to to really try to shift and encourage. Um, as many camp campers to come to our camp or to go to other camps and so um, we we paired with um, t- the Taylor Staten campership fund and um, and we donate our money to them so that they manage um, where that where those funds go um, and we have somebody from our camp on the board, but we 're able to get campers from there. Um, a small thing that we changed was. You know, at the end of the year, if there's if the balance of the campers' fees, um, if we owe them $50 because they didn't spend it in trading posts or whatever, um, this was totally from Camp Hacker as an idea. But instead of saying, instead of saying, um, you know, just writing a check back to them, we said, Would you like us to write a check back to you, put it on to next year, or uh, donate, you know, help donate uh, this money to send a kid to camp? And those numbers have risen dramatically um, over the years. When we first started, we had maybe two or three people say yes. And now it's almost everybody that is checking that and saying we would like to donate. So there's like these little things that we've been able to do. And also um, a payment plans, where I know a lot of private camps where it's like this is absolute. You have no choice. This is when you're, you're paying and... We've become very flexible, and uh, we would like them to pay by the time their their camper gets to camp, but that's not always a reality. And uh, we do extended payment plans. So I think there's like little things that you can do financially to support um, families at the same time as you're making sure that your organization um, is able to to hit the mark that that you want to you know invest. And that's basically what we do. We're constantly reinvesting into our into our camp. That's our you know, ignore the BMWs that we're driving. That's, that was a gift. <laughs> that's sarcasm for anybody that can't see us. But, uh, yeah. Um, no, so, you know, that's what we do. We, we reinvest into our organization, and we, we want it to, to remain strong. If we ever get into a position where we can do this, or if if I I definitely, I really like the idea. I think it gives that flexibility, and I like what Dan says in the, in the sense that... Um, where families are talking and they want to offer to another family, oh, you should go to this camp, and that there's there's these price options. Um, I, you know, I think for me that's the spirit of camp. That's what it really should be about, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's possible, that's a different that's a different scenario. Right, right.
1: It it makes me think that um, <clears throat> if you're a private camp, something like. It, uh, if you're a private camp who was talking about this, it's nice for you to, to as part of your education, to introduce this, to say, we want camp to be as affordable as possible. So that's why we offer these two tiers. You pick whatever you like. Um, but also, and this comes back to what my next questions for Dan and Joe are, that you there's a fair amount of education that has to go in on the first time that you implement this. You have to spend a lot of time and effort to Tell people why you're doing it, what it's for, et cetera. And I think with the right education, you could implement this in a private camp. Pardon me, um, because you're saying, um, you know, at at our current rates, we are we have a slim slim profit margin. But if we moved it up to this, this gives us the ability to. Uh, invest in more programming for your kids, make the accommodations better because now we have some cushion and some money to 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 focus in reinvesting in the camp programs and I think that 's all about the education and and how you talk to them about it
2: yeah you can 't expect these things to be overnight successes as well you know it 's not going to instantly give you fifty grand that summer you know it's it 's going to be something that becomes part of the culture right right um
3: there, Joe. There is a strong, I was actually in a meeting yesterday and I was, we, a camp was asking about this model because <laughs> I was meeting with other United Church camps and um, sadly we had a, a local camp who chose to adopt this model a few years ago and then abandon it because they didn't think it was a success and people complained too much about it and I was like, well, how many people complained was it one? My thing to any camp who's thinking about it or implementing it from, from a, let's say a nonprofit first, I have some ideas on the, on the for profit side, is it's not something to test. It's something you choose to do. And, and because it's literally, there's no cost to implement the program. It is, it is like printing money on your paper. That's what it is. And, Dan used the term, you're not going to get $50,000 in the first year. The funny thing is, percentage-wise, like for us, we made an additional ten dollars to $12,000 in the first year of doing it, which doesn't sound like a lot of money, but when we only generate $100,000 or at that time $80,000 a year in camper fees, $10,000 is a huge bump to your, to your profit line. Um, and so... It is. It is really something that I camps. If a board's not going to fully buy into it, and, and a group of people, and, and they're just going to test it out for a couple of years, then then you're not ready for it, and, and because then you're going to abandon it, and then what are you going to go back to? What's your pricing structure? Right. As far as private camps go, I think there there is definitely a way, and and so I spent five years at the Taylor Staten camps, and one of the big discussion in those management meetings every week was you know how do we how do we get more funds you know and it, it wasn't always how do we get more funds to line our pockets to drive our beamers it was more how do we get more funds because camp needs an investment you we're gonna put in a new bathroom and it's a million dollar building just to put in a new bathroom and and I think that this model could work in a sense of a camp like the Taylor camps, where you have a history going all the way back to 1920 um, and you have these generations of family who have the income and you could say listen tier one is what we normally charge and then tier two and tier three it's a way for them to you market it as supporting the camp for long term and and you don't fool around with the numbers Travis I understood what you were saying earlier but what I encourage anyone who's doing this it's literally budget line by budget line to get a solid number as your tier three what is your highest price yeah. Because if somebody says, well, why did you choose that as your price? You need to be able to say, listen, I went line by line and I said, okay, Joe's salary is half camp, half rentals. You know, win- heating oil is 25% camp, 75% rentals. You know, souvenirs, uh, right? And, and literally line by line through the budget. And then, and, and, and then it pops out to say, this is the program, this is how much the program costs. And we're losing $80,000 a year. So then I take that number and I divide it by the number of campers we have that year and I add it to our pricing and, and that's where you get tier four. Or tier, tier four. The magical, the mythical tier four. We go to a four-tier system. <laughs> that would be brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> tier four is a million dollars for a week of camp. Sign up. <laughs> we actually, um,
2: I hear a lot of camps calling their, their fourth tier uh, financial aid. Um, and, uh, you know, like if you can't afford any of these three tiers, contact yeah. us about yeah. our fourth tier. And that's how they started the conversation about the financial aid application.
1: Right. right.
0: I, th- I think, uh, Joe, what you're yeah. saying is um, I really agree that if, you, if you're going to go this, this route, that you should definitely um, – you need to commit. And it can't be let's try this out. Let's see if it works. And then in a couple of years, if it doesn't, we'll go back to the old system. I I really feel like that's what that's what you need to do. And I think what I'm what I'm saying or trying to say is that I think every camp should seriously consider doing this. And um, and it is about educating your clients, and it is about recognizing um, what your what you believe you're able to do, and not intuitively, but by looking at your numbers and by yeah by making logical decisions. And I think that this is honestly probably the future, and I think it scares a lot of people. Um, but I think it has to be taken seriously. So I guess what I'm saying for Waro is that it's not off the table, it's just uh, we still have a little bit of homework to do. And by doing little things like telling your families, do you want to donate this to send a kid to camp, right. building that into your culture, it starts to it starts to get... Parents thinking we think about this all the time. How do we get everybody to our camp, regardless of their economic background? Um, but parents don't think about that. As as you said, Dan, they're they're micromanaging. They're a little bit nervous. Are the, you know what bunker they going to be sleeping in? Is it she going to be with that girl from last year? Because I don't know if I really want that. You know, like this is where their heads are at. And uh, I hope she tries windsurfing. I really want her to be a windsurfer. You know, these are the things that that they're thinking about. And so then. When we start to get them to think about, like, let's send a kid to camp, um, that's training them, and and it's kind of that that's educating them, and and doing it bit by bit um, is very important to build into your culture. But I think also what you I hear you guys saying, and I really agree with this, is not don't throw this off the table, private camps. (laughs) Don't like don't say oh this is something that the Y camps do. This is what a nonprofit camps do. Because I think that if you want to keep your camps full, this is sort of something that you're going to have to start to consider um, and, and bring it to the table and, and see what you guys need to do to, to perhaps incorporate this into your organization and your camp culture.
2: And uh, you know, like um, I think of other industries. You know, you think of um, uh, the music industry. Like Radiohead's uh, album in Rainbows, they put it up and they said, "Choose your
1: price." Pay what you want,
2: and, um, and they got more money than they would have if they just had the regular price. And people stole it. You know, um, they uh, yeah, the pays you want for for restaurants as well too. I think um, I think camp as a whole is important to keep as a staple in a child's experience uh, growing up. And that um, as the market's diverse, uh, you know, as we have more um, populations that don't historically go to camp. You know, we, they, they ACA National had a presenter on why um, uh, Hispanic culture, it's not popular to go to camp. And uh, they talked a lot about collectivism. And, you know, you really need to make it affordable for somebody to take that that leap of faith to take that risk in, in trying something new and um I think that, that is part of part of as a whole what we should be doing if we truly believe in providing a camp experience for every kid that every kid would be better off with a, a better camp experience then we should figure out a way to make our pricing work for them um, and and to work in that way and, and and within your business model if if you are a private camp and you have the upper echelon in terms of demographic, then figuring out what works. But you need to make changes in your business plan in order to expand. You can't can't just stay with the same system. And yeah. I hear that all the time from private camps I talk to, all the all the time. Like, how do we expand our market without changing our business? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and it's like yeah, you can't. <laughs> yeah. And that's why Travis gets hired as a consultant. <laughs> so.
1: Craze Interactive and Camp Craze is thrilled to announce the first annual Craze Conference on Wednesday, February 5th, 2014. Whether you run a summer camp, an after-school program, or a youth sports league, Craze Conference can help your business grow. Craze has access to the top marketing, technology, and social media professionals, and we're bringing them to you to share their tips and tools on making the latest marketing trends work for you. Social media is the quickest and most effective marketing tool, but you can't just tweet. You need to tweet with purpose. You'll learn the best ways to grow your business through engaging keynote speakers, interactive breakout sessions, and unprecedented networking opportunities. Join keynote speaker Adam Braun, CEO of Pencils of Promise, and Porter Gale, former VP of Marketing at Virgin America, along with executives from Twitter, Zappos, Disney, Splash, DoSomething.org, and Mashable, Summer365, and more. Register today by logging on to crazeconference.com. I I think there's a big question around how we educate people and and talk to them about that, but um, just for people who are getting their heads around setting this up, what um, does having a tiered system eliminate the incentives that you put forward to get people to pay early, I know that cash flow is a thing for camps, and you we put in something like an early bird price because you want to get cash flow through the winter instead of all these people waiting till the last minute to pay for camp. You 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 need to incentivize that somehow. How does this affect that sort of thing, Dan?
2: Uh, I'll actually I'll I'll. I'll give Travis the um my registration form and you can see in the show notes cuz we do have an early bird in there and we do have tiered pricing. And if you look right now, um we've got uh, 24 different prices on on, yeah. on on the on the registration form with all the different programs we offer and um, yeah, you know, I think I think the greater fear that I've seen um, or greater motivator for people to, um, to sign up early is the fear of being sold out. Sold out at a specific time um, or a specific um, age group and uh, or if you offer diverse programs, not getting into that one program. That fear of having to tell your child that um, they're not going to be with their friends this upcoming summer, the thing they look to forward to all year long, that is a m- much bigger motivator than saving a small percentage of money. There is definitely... Um, a lot of people that want to save every dollar, and I want to feel like they get the deal as well. Um, and uh, for us, you know, with that being a non nonprofit camp, I, I also reiterate with people like we do our best to charge as little as possible to begin with. So we don't offer sibling discounts or that, that sort of thing right. compared to where right. some other camps um, do offer that. But uh, I, I find that the fear of selling out is the biggest motivator, and um, and you can balance the both of the early bird and the tier pricing. You just have to have your Ducks in a row, and and be prepared to talk a little bit more.
1: Yeah, cool, thank you, uh, Joe. I I wanted to ask what all you did to educate people on the first year.
3: The first year we did a lot of. Um, we didn't do a ton of pre-education because it was it's one of those things where the the write-up that you use is fairly ex- self-explanatory. And so we just we just used the write-up, which I got, um, part of the history of how we got onto it, because I believe, a- unless somebody knows differently, I believe that we were the first camp in Canada to go with tier-based pricing, um, and I believe that it was a conversation I had with um, Rob Carmichael about... Tier-based pricing solutions, and Rob Car- Carmichael's from a, from Camp Brain, and and we talked about. He said he he recommended I call the Seattle YMCA, and so I ended up calling the Seattle YMCA and talking about tier-based pricing, and they said, "Oh, we took it from San Diego," um, and so I called San Diego and I talked about tier-based pricing. Both of them said, "Use our write-up, like literally take it word for word. We we want to share," um, and so. Um, we really used that right up, and really sold it to to parents and and informed. Our education was more based on our staff being able to talk about it, and our board of directors being able to talk about it with people, because those are the people who are going to going to be asked the questions away from either people called the office or they see a member out in, in the community. Um, and so it was all about the wording and helping them understand that there's the 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 three sort of goals of of the program um you know the the wording is um, the wording very specific about the fact that we're not just doing this to to make a buck right it's it's making sure that it matches up with the camp goals so right Pierce Williams Christian Center summer goals are to provide the highest quality summer programs possible to serve all community income levels and to preserve camp for generations to come. And those are the same three goals that the YMCA in in Seattle and San Diego had, and so it was this understanding that okay, this will help us serve all income levels. It will help us create a program that is truly amazing, but it will also help us be here for today's campers, camper, right? right. So the idea that a seven year old can send their kid here in in thirty years is is ideal, right? This and that's where getting people to understand that this is a decision for the long-term viability of of us as a program um, is key. Right. Great.
1: Oh, I was just going to turn yeah, the, to Dan for a question the, the the, Yeah. Go ahead, Joe.
3: Yeah, The right. The write up on our website which you can put in the show notes. It's uh, you know, it's on our registration page. It, it's a very short write-up. It says, "Realizing that families have different abilities to pay, Pierce Williams Christian Center offers a voluntary three-tier payment program. You may choose um, the tier that is most suitable to your family. The tier system allows us to continue to offer the same low fees for summer camp while letting everyone know the true cost of camp." Yep. There. Boom. Boom. Good.
1: Um, do you offer laser dance back? <laughs> uh, do you offer anything, Joe, like tiered pricing for rentals?
3: I don't. And when Dan mentioned that, it really got me. We don't offer tiered-based pricing for rentals um, because rentals is our business. And I'm afraid of how the revenue agency would, would view that. I like the idea of of seasonal rates for rentals. Because um, right now, in fact, it costs more to rent us in the winter than it does in the summer. But our summer is the busiest time. So I like the idea of saying, okay, well, in the summer on a weekend, it's twenty, it's $25 a night per person to rent our facility. In the winter on a weekend, it's $23 a night per person. And, and sort of, you know, because people are going to come either way in the summer – in the winter it's it's harder to get people to to right. sign up and and right. to come to to use the the facility so right so Dan, we were talking about changing
1: your um rental and outdoor ed programming school programming based on the seasons um what uh it, the demand in the particular time Oh, Dan lost his internet. Ken's also texting his funny jokes. Um, so I, I think we've covered a lot of this. I'm going to, uh, if Dan gets back in, we'll, we'll give him a chance to answer that. But um, I think we've covered a lot of the good stuff. Is there anything else you'd add in terms of advice, Joe?
3: In terms of advice, I think that with, with tier-based pricing, I think it's it's being fully knowledgeable when you start the program. Knowing right. that there's going to be some people who don't understand it there's going to be some confusion, but really buying into it as a program because historically and this is one of the things that you you haven't asked and i 'm not sure what dan's response would be, but um, what we find is that of hundred percent of our camper pa- camper families around twenty five to thirty five percent pay more than tier one for us, which is great that's a that, and that's consistent the years that we've implemented the program. So uh, um it is a you know it's a great way for us to um to generate more income. I do all of my camp numbers based on tier one. If nobody else paid any more,
0: right. that's
3: what I'm budgeting for is, is tier one pricing. Um and and when that other money comes in, that's great because we can use it for a variety of different things at camp.
1: Right. Um, and that's really good to know. Um, and thank you very much for sharing that. Um, if you do happen to work at a Y. Um, there's a good discussion about this on the Y, um, the y Camp Professionals discussion group on LinkedIn. Um, and that's a private group, so I know some stuff from there about the percentages, but I can't share it. Um, so it, that would be one of the things that I'd love to see in terms of responses, is camps talk about who are willing to share to talk about what percentage of people um, sign on above the, the base level. Um so I, I hope that some people will share those numbers. Um well, that was a great discussion. Thank you very much. I'm gonna now turn us to our tool of the week. Tool of the week. While we're waiting for Dan to um come back in and I'll try to get that going, <laughs> um I am going to turn to Joe first for his tool, please.
3: My tool this week is bullet journal, which is a um, an idea a concept. There's a website link on in the show notes. Bullet journal is this idea that you have a uh, it's a paper based to do system um, and tracking system. And right now, I'm working through a wide variety of of um, to do systems, I, I for years have used um, uh, getting things done with David Allen and Bullet Journal came to my attention. And, and Bullet Journal essentially is a concept that you take a, a book like a, a Moleskin like this, um, and you um, you track everything in here. And there's a legend as to to moving things forward and how things are done and, and when how to signify when they're crossed off. The website is full of great information and tells you how to set it up and, and this I'm using I'm actually uh, I'm off to Australia in uh, a few days and I'm actually using a bullet journal to sort of track all of my movements and, and and things we do in Australia so when I get back I'll have a a full history of everything we've done um, in Australia where we were each day and and what not um, but the concept is that when there's to do's and and not just to do's but it's also for like tracking uh, general information. You know, you made a phone call. That's great. Just mark it in the, in the book. And I keep one on my desk at the, at the camp office um, to sort of track where I'm at and to, uh, and to let me know how my day has gone. Um, and I'm actually matching it with another thing called uh, Agile Results, which will be another tool of the week in, in the future.
1: Nice. That's good. So uh, there's a website at bulletjournal.com that people can go to figure out how the system works.
3: That's correct. Yeah. And it's, there's a video that explains it all. And it is, um, so simple that it's one of those things where you're like, okay, because I, for years and, and anybody who's known me, um, has known that I've, I owned a Palm pilot since long ago. I've been reading eBooks since long ago. And, and so to go back to a paper-based system, um, was really a, a conscious choice of, um, because it's the best way it's the most versatile way for me to track this information in a solid place. Um, and I've used it in conjunction with an online system that I, um, that I use not TuxDux, stand but, uh, another system, uh, um, that we use here. And so I use it in conjunction with that and go through, go through uh, both of those to sort of manage my to dos and, and whatnot.
1: Great. Thanks very much, Joe. Um, it, yeah, but you might have to leave. So let me turn to you next for your tool.
0: Cool. Thanks. Um, my tool of the week is PicMonkey, and it's an online free um picture editing software, um, basically. And it's uh, if it's online, and is that a software? Mm, sure. Okay. Yes. Either way, it's free. You can, of course, they have like other cool things on it that you can pay for, whatever. But it is by far the easiest, most intuitive editing um, software, and it has really, really cool effects, and they have seasonal effects as well, so for, like, the holidays or... Um, but this is, for me, this is, like, amazing for, for camps because it's right in our... In our um, who we need to, to attract with pictures, which are basically uh, campers, and uh, it's a lot of fun, very easy to use, and I, I'm going to share a picture that I did in about 10 minutes. Um, there we go. yeah uh, I want to share. anyways, it's really it's your pictures can look lovely
1: So Gabit, it does sort of basic photo editing, resizing, brightening, that sort of stuff, plus the okay, fun stuff that you're gonna show us. Is that true?
0: Yeah, okay. Now it works. Oh, here it is. I don't know if you see it, but
1: <laughs> it your whole desktop, yeah. But we can definitely see your funny picture.
0: Oh okay. well, ba- basically, um, you can all the, all the the nice stuff that Instagram does, you can basically do with um, um, with this pick, um, with this program and and add different effects, add frames, and then like on this picture, it's we created sort of a monster, um, Halloween. picture which we'll put on Facebook close to Halloween of course but um, it's really it's fun it's fun it's nice it's easy and uh, I'm very confident and comfortable on Photoshop but I use PicMonkey because it's it's faster and I'll I'll do Photoshop stuff but if I need to put something up online quickly and it look good then I I use PicMonkey and all my staff use it too so
1: yeah good good share what do you know what the price is to buy it Gab?
0: Um, they bought, you only, you buy like certain little packages, so they'll have like picture frames, so like a Polaroid frame or like a funky, like different types of frames, and then they'll like entice you with this like elegant frame, and then that might be like 99 cents or something for like seven different elegant frames, or they'll have all these different doodles, and um, heart doodles, star doodles, bubble, speech bubble doodles, and then they'll say, you know, like, here are some, I don't know what kind of doodles, but other cool doodles if you want so they give you a very good range of, of free stuff and then they'll, they'll always have like a couple of extra things and it's, it's sometimes it's just like 99 cents for yeah. one of them so fun that's i like great. it yeah and this was all free all of these ones we didn't buy any of it so that's awesome <laughs> yeah
1: right on thank you no problem dan what's your tool
2: uh so my my tool is uh the book The Reason I Jump and it was um recently made popular by being on the Jon Stewart show. Yeah. And uh it's a fantastic book. Basically it's um the perspective of a thirteen-year-old boy that has autism, and it was written oh, yeah. by a thirteen-year-old boy from Japan uh, that has autism. And uh, the reason um, it's my tool of the week is that I I I, I love this book. Um, if nothing else, just hearing it from a thirteen-year-old's perspective, and uh, a lot of the stuff uh, that he shares in the book, I already knew about um, a child with autism, and I already knew I think. You know things that were going on, um, or different ways to approach certain situations, but just hearing his voice is extremely powerful, and I, I really believe that the world would be a better place if everybody read the book. Yeah. Um, I I went so far; I actually bought copies for um, all of my year-round staff, so we're going to be reading it together. Um, uh, but it's it's just done so well, and there's a there's even a portion of the book where he talks, um, the boy talks about why he, he enjoys nature as well. So I think it, it gives you really great language to talk to somebody that. Um, about the power of camp for somebody that has autism or is on the spectrum, but uh, yeah, it's just it's um, sh- it's just great. It's just man should be mandatory reading. Sounds awesome. Yeah, and uh, the the other thing about the the book that makes it really great is that the the format is question and answer, oh, so yeah. um, it's just it, it basically there's a, there's a question posed and then he writes an answer to it. So it's extremely easy to to read as well, um, and uh, and. Yeah, I'm in love with it.
1: Very so. right good pick. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, my pick is not something you buy. Uh, it's something that I started doing this fall um, and uh, have been have got a lot out of it. And I have it, at numerous times in my life thought that meditation would be something that would be really helpful for me um, with my stress level, etc., and tried different stuff. Even from when I was a kid, when I learned first meditation methods I learned was from a a friend's karate instructor. Uh, And um, so I've I've thought about it often. And I've always found the problems that I think everybody has is you sit down and you can't quiet your brain enough to get to meditation. So that helps quiet your brain. Um, And um, so this... Trend more than anything uh, has come out of the the tech community, where um, people in startup tech startups are doing a a, focusing a lot more on meditation as a great way to manage stress, to be more creative, um, to um, get more stuff done, etc. And so I found this suggestion there, which is to commit to a meditation of doing 100 meditative breaths a day, Um, and they don't have to be in order. They can, or I mean, not in order, they have to be in order, I suppose, but they don't have to be in a row. Um, if you get 25 or 30 done, then um, you can come back and finish them later. And uh, I, I'm kind of stunned at how much, what a difference it makes. Um, I chronically have pain in my neck and shoulders, which is, seems to be where my stress goes. And um, going through the 100 breaths, I can get rid of that for several hours. Um, and I do find it helps me focus. It does help me get, um, more creative and get a lot more done if I've taken the time to do it. And I find a hundred breaths takes me about 15 minutes, sometimes 20. Um, and it's, um, I'm not going to go into meditation technique. You should look up mindfulness, um, mindfulness meditation, but this True, people who practice meditation for years would shudder at the fact that you're actually counting. You're doing something active while you're meditating. Um, But I find it's the best way for me to constantly bring my focus back to meditation instead of just all the ideas that are constantly going. Um, And so it's given me enough focus to get through it and get some positive benefits. So... Um, I think it's been a, a big deal. If you look up 100 breath meditation online, you can find tons of resources for it and just, a, an outline of what that is. So, Gab, I see that you're looking over your shoulder. Do you need to get going?
0: Yes, I have, uh, plumbers here to check okay. out Good. a system. Let so us, uh, fix it
1: let us know how to get in touch with you and then we'll say goodbye.
0: Yep. Um, you can check out where I work at, uh, or you can follow me on, um, on the Twitter bird at Gabrielle rail, um, and rails with two L's.
1: Fantastic. Thanks Gab for everything today.
0: Cool. Thanks guys. See you later. Take it easy. Bye.
1: See you later. Joe, how can people follow your mad adventures on your sabbatical?
3: My, let me, oh, there, I'm live now. Um, yes. My mad adventures on my sabbatical can be followed at yoyojo.com. Um I will still be tweeting at yoyojo r, and that'll, that uploads my Facebook stuff too. Um, so for, I'm not only off to Australia, but for the next three months, I'm on a three month sabbatical from work. Um, which is a unique program to the United Church of Canada as far as I understand uh, in this particular setting and uh, so I'm uh, off to do some educational things and I'm going to tour summer camps and education facilities. Thanks for your contact Dan. Um, Marty's hooked me yeah, up no with problem. a variety of YMCA camps and that's great. Um, and uh, it, it'll be exciting. I'm actually doing a presentation at the OCA conference in January about my trip to Australia. Um, and. So I'll have all of January to work on it uh, without (laughs) much else to bug me. It'll be
1: your best ever presentation. Oh, yes, it will be. (laughs) That's awesome. Thanks a lot, Joe. You're welcome. See you later. Dan, where can people get in touch with you, follow you, et cetera?
2: Yeah, so I work at Frost Valley YMCA, which is frostvalley.org and um, I write occasionally at danlovescamp.com and unplugacamp.com. Um, I also tweet
1: at danlovescamp. Very cool. Thanks a lot, Dan. Yeah, no problem. Awesome. Uh, so you can find the show notes for this show if you're listening to the audio. If you go to camphacker.tv slash podcast, um, and it'll be the links to the people's picks of the tools of the week and also their um you know all of our previous shows so we invite you to, to go there to do that if you're watching us on youtube i hope that you'll click the subscribe button just under the left hand side i can't do the uh left and right um just under the left hand side of this video you will see a subscribe button and then you get notified every time we put out a new show and uh we really appreciate that i wanted to you will have heard a couple of ads at the beginning of this show um but I wanted to take a moment just to highlight one thing that's not an ad um, but something that I really strongly believe in and that's the Camping Professionals group on Facebook which you can get to by going to facebook.com slash groups slash camp pros and as of yesterday that is a group of 2,000 people involved in the camping industry full-time or wanting to be full-time people that know that this is a career and want to build um, their own professionalism and it's an amazing discussion goes on there um, and both Dan and Joe have been great at helping out others and posing their own questions but being involved in that so thank you to the two of you um, but really thank you so much to all the camping professionals around the world who have been a big part of that community again that's at facebook.com slash groups slash camp pros um, you can click on that and re- request an invite uh, if you're not already part of the group so thank you very much for that Uh, If you have any questions you want us to deal with, email me, travis at socialcatalyst.ca, And that's everything. Thanks for the evening, friends.
0: The Camp Hacker Podcast is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, summer camp leadership training and marketing consultants. Thanks for listening.
1: Building great camp community at camphacker.org.